2: This is the Decibel Beat Podcast with Chris Sinzak and Aaron Camaro.
1: What is this? Well, it's your chance to catch up on everything going on in the whole entire world. You know, the important stuff like hard rock and heavy metal music news. Yeah, the important stuff. Well, you're in the right place for that. This is the Decibel Geek Podcast, as we bring you once again, GeekWire. Uh-huh. Your latest and greatest happenings in the world of hard rock and heavy metal music. The good, the bad, the ugly, the stupid, the ridiculous. We got it all, and we're going to cover it for you right here today. My name, it's Aaron Camaro. Joined, as always, by my main man. He's got his finger on the pulse. It's Chris Sinzak. How you doing, my friend? Merry Christmas.
0: Same to you and same to the listeners. Um, nice to be back and I uh, hope everyone's had a good holiday. And uh, we have uh, an announcement, yes, for uh, New Year's Eve, right?
1: Yeah, we're talking about it. We really want to do this. We're hoping everything schedules all right for it. We're going to do our very best to pull it off. And you'll know ahead of time before we do it, because you'll have the link to come hang out with us on New Year's Eve. It's a Decibel Geek New Year's Eve celebration. We're going to count it down at midnight central time But I'm thinking we're probably going to kick it off right around 9 o'clock Central Time. So that'll give us a couple of hours to get nice and primed for the new year coming, 2024. And also coming up, of course, we do it every year at the beginning of the year, our best look at the last year we're just closing out on, 2023, as we bring you our top 10 albums of the year. So that's coming up in 2024 as well. So we hope you can join us on New Year's Eve. Let's party together yeah beats the hell out of trying to drive around in that insanity just stay home open up your computer crank it up real loud and spend the New Year's Eve celebration with the decibel Geek podcast you are invited yeah and I get to be
0: uh, up at midnight uh, for a change so you can watch me fall asleep live before
1: the ball drops <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah that's gonna be awesome how exciting yeah.
0: <laughs> Have some kind of sound effect that you'll play through your Roadcaster, like with with an alarm clock going off to wake me up.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I got this fancy Roadcaster. I never added no sound effects to it. I need to do that. Yeah.
0: And maybe we'll get some of our uh, friends from the podcast world to come on and uh, celebrate with us. It's the end of another year and beginning of our 13th year doing this show.
1: Wow. 13 years. Amazing. Amazing that it's lasted this long. (laughs) That's for
0: sure. (laughs) These guys still haven't given up?
1: Right, yeah. We're still out here. We're still flying the flag of rock and roll, letting the world know that it's still alive. And we got plenty of help from our heroes and legends of rock and roll because they're always doing crazy stuff, saying crazy things. And they end up in the news. We get to talk about it.
0: Yes, kind of slim pickings on uh, news stories this week, I'll be honest with you. But I think we found some fun ones to talk about that'll be uh, entertaining. And, of course, we can't waste any time because the newest development with the KISS Avatar project has been announced. And they put out a little sizzler reel of uh, sizzle reel, not sizzler reel. That would be my
1: reel. Yeah, you're the sizzler.
0: Um, of uh, the more of the... Beautiful 2002-era CGI graphics of the band members. And uh, at the end, it said a show is coming. And then it said in 2027.
1: 2027 it's going to take to get mm-hmm. it together for that. I don't know, man. I just don't know. It doesn't seem cool to me at all.
0: I have no, really no interest in it. I'm sure there's people that do. And if you do, have fun with it. But uh, it would the way the route they're going with it so far bbc radio reported on it recently that it's going to be it's going to be more like what we saw at the end of the madison square garden show where it's the the superhero type thing and i don't it, you know they with they if they were copying the abba blueprint and doing it where they look like they did in their 7 in the 70s not in their 70s um <laughs> and uh <laughs> Like, had like original costumes and you could do new stage effects and stuff. That would be cool, but like, I don't, I really don't give a damn about the guys in Kiss being superheroes.
1: I didn't care about it back in the day. I don't care about it now either. Yeah. That's kind of, kind of how I picture it in my head. It's like the comic books from the 2000s, you know, where they, they got superpowers and stuff and they're like, Tommy Thayer will come flying in, you know, his avatar, and it'll have electricity all over him. You have tubes run out of him, like like in the comic books, and kind of like what we've seen on the Avatar stuff so far. And then Gene will be up there; he'll be blowing fire and spitting blood and flying and explosion, you know. And then Paul Stanley will have his aura, and you know <laughs> all the stuff, you know. And it'll be like they'll be playing like Detroit Rock City, and it'll have like. You know, cars driving behind them and crashing and stuff like that. You know, it it could be a pretty cool thing. And maybe by 2027, I'll miss Kiss bad enough to actually be interested in something like that. But the possibilities are really endless. I mean, you could potentially be going and seeing this thing where it's like a concert and a movie at the same time you know what i mean like with all these effects like you would have got a thunder you know he could be fighting a dragon and shit you know i don't know it might be cool maybe i mean
0: but i view it more as mildly amusing the route they're going with this because like even with the comic books like when psycho circus came out they had the comic series and the action yeah. figures and all that and I didn't hate any of it, but I was also just kind of like, "Oh, that's kind of cool," and that was the limit of my excitement for it. Now, now I don't speak for everybody. Our friend Logan Seculo, who uh, he lives here in Nashville, has adamantly said how how excited he is for this. And yeah. I know I know a few people that that are hyped for it. I have to admit, though, I I, I love looking through, scanning through comment sections on the the every announcement they make for this thing just to see what kind of the percentages are of. Excited versus don't like it. And, man, it, it it weighs heavily in the I don't
1: like this category. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Well, maybe by 2027, the technology will be so amazing that, I don't know, maybe it's just one of them things where Kiss thinks, you know, there's little babies out here on this end-of-the-road tour that are too young to come see Kiss. By the time 2027 rolls around, those toddlers will be four and five years old and their granddads will bring them to see the kiss avatars. And then this, the cycle of spending continues, you know, the money is always going to be made like Gene Simmons family is still going to be making money off of kiss long after kiss is buried and gone. Sure. After we're all dead and gone, this kiss thing is going to keep going forever.
0: Yeah. I used to think that I would outlive kiss and now I'm pretty sure I never will. (laughs) No. Um, the direction I want them to go is, like, super realistic to, like, where yeah. you have little movie segments before and after the concert. Like, before the concert, you'd have the avatar Peter Chris you know, show up hammered, and then they get onto him <laughs> and he threatens to quit the band, you know. And you didn't put my drum solo in fucking strange ways. I'm going to quit. You know, Peter Chris avatar jumps out on a ledge, gets ready to kill himself.
1: Yeah, by the time Gene and Paul talk him down, well, here comes Ace Frehley. <laughs>
0: Ace Frehley shows up in Nazi regalia.
1: Oh, geez.
0: <laughs> um, oh,
1: man. I w- Yeah, because
0: if I had that te- technology, I would have the most fun with it. <laughs> Can you imagine a ni- 1985 Asylum-era Gene Simmons avatar?
1: <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> the mod of thunder. But it might be, to the point, like you said, realistic. Like, if in the far future... They announced, you know, the Kiss avatars are going on tour and they're recreating the, you know, the Destroyer tour, for example. And they make it authentic. Like make it look like you're at the Anaheim Stadium show. Exactly. See, that I think would be pretty damn cool. Yeah,
0: or like have an avatar experience of you see Kiss play at Winterland in '75 or yeah. Cobo Hall, or right. You could even recreate like the insides of some of these famous venues. Yeah, yeah, that would be all cool. And also, you know, open up the archive. And we're going to talk about a story here in a minute about the stuff that is still in the Kiss archive, or maybe not in their archive, but like focus on music and vintage releases. That I just I don't care about this superhero shit. Right. Yeah. I I got into them because they were a band. Yeah, the image was cool, but
1: they were a band first. Sure. And I think like, well, I guess it'd be in the future, so I'll be a little bit older, but it'd be kind of cool to go see like Kiss is touring this year, they're doing Destroyer, the Avatars, and you're gonna get the authentic Destroyer experience. And then, you know, the next time they're coming around, they're they're doing a dynasty show. You know, where you could sit and see what it was like in 79, 80 around in there to see Kiss in that era, you know, or like mm-hmm. you say, you know, recreate Cobo Hall and things like that. I would go to that. That I would buy a ticket for. But to see like a live action Todd McFarlane, you yeah. know, production of Kiss, I don't know, man. I'd just stay home and watch Scooby-Doo if that was what it was. Yeah.
0: Uh, and I'd also like to see the Vinnie Vincent avatar that plays this solo for too long and has to get more. <laughs> I think that would be funny.
1: Oh man,
0: the Vinny Avatar pours the soup back into the bowl, <laughs> <laughs> pisses off all the other guys. The Vinny Avatar opens up a lawsuit against Avatar Gene and Paul.
1: Uh yeah, you could
0: have a lot of fun with it.
1: Yeah, you could. <laughs>
0: We need to do another Kiss fan fiction episode. Yeah. <laughs> this is really getting my wheels turning.
1: <laughs> what if Vinnie Vincent never poured the soup back into the bowl?
0: Yeah, everything could have been different.
1: And instead of taking the bowl and dumping it back into the soup, he sets it aside. Yeah. And this small moment transcends and changes everything going forward with Kiss. <laughs> the box set
0: eventually actually comes out. The you know, history
1: just gets changed completely. Bruce Kulick stays with Michael Bolton.
0: (laughs) Michael Bolton becomes a giant hair metal hit singer, yeah.
1: Eric Carr can't handle it and quits and starts his own band. That'd be interesting. Gene Simmons gladly fails in Hollywood, but takes on all kinds of B-rolls and shit just so he doesn't have to be in Kiss with Vinnie Vincent. No, Gene turns to porn.
0: The new movie from Sox Simmons.
1: <laughs> it's a pair of socks with a money symbol on it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so there's a whole other marketing line,
0: the whole other brand line ready to go. Oh, man. I, now I'm starting to see the brilliance in all
1: this. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it all comes together.
0: Yeah, but I don't know. I, it, it seems like the vast majority of people are not hyped up about this thing. Um Julian Gill on Kiss FAQ even created its own, the avatars to have its own sub forum. So like if you want to talk about this, go to that forum. Don't oh, don't put uh, it in here. <laughs> yeah. Even Julian Gill is not totally hyped about this either. Ken Mills has talked pretty, pretty badly about it himself. And these are some of our more positive friends about the band.
1: Yeah. Well, between now and twenty twenty seven, a lot could change. You know, it could end up being something really cool. Who knows? Right now, it do not seem like it, but that's a ways off.
0: Our love, our power made them immortal, so.
1: Why did we do it? We're responsible for this. Oh no! <laughs> it's all our fault.
2: Oh. Don't tug my ass, Don't pull my ass. It's not as baby. You can't have my
0: ass, cause girl, girl is mine.
2: Hands off my cravat. No, I don't like that. You
1: Fine.
0: Oh, Ace Fraley in the news, uh, about uh, in regards to the avatars, um, he did an interview with Greg Prado of Ultimate Guitar and was asked if getting paid for the Spaceman makeup which is included with the Kiss avatars. And he said, I get paid for the usage for merchant stuff, and I would consider this avatar stuff a merchandise ploy. Yeah. But I just saw something the other day on YouTube that Gene is having second thoughts about the whole avatar thing. But who knows with those guys? Every day is a different story with those guys. And to be totally honest with you, I really don't follow what they do very closely because I'm involved with my own career. Bullshit, Ace.
1: Yeah, because everybody's <laughs> always all asking. all of this stuff. <laughs> I mean, you kind of got to when every interview you do, everybody wants to talk about Kiss. You know, everybody wants to get Ace Fraley's hot take on what's going on with Kiss. Yeah. You can't escape it.
0: All I know is if you really look up the USPTO website and look up the Spaceman makeup design, it's owned by Kiss.
1: Huh, well then, probably ain't going to get no money off it unless it's some kind of deal that goes with it, yeah. but that he gets he does get paid something for it for some
0: for certain uses. I'd have to dig up the actual paperwork again, but I saw that it, it it's registered to the Kiss Corporation. So he, I think he benefits in some way, but I, I don't know. It'll be interesting. I'm sure he's going to fight for this though. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he tried to sue them for the use of it.
1: The way I always understood it was that ACE gave it to kiss, got paid off for it, but had concessions, but Peter Chris sold all his, his rights to it completely. and has nothing.
0: Ooh. And there, I'm just seeing something at the bottom of this article. It's a, screenshot from twitter or x i should say and some fan uh tagged gene and paul and said does ace own the rights to his makeup or is he just babbling again and paul stanley said does ace own the rights to his makeup or is he babbling again fantasy we own it he sold it
1: wow (laughs) paul stanley way down there in the comment section how do you like that well
0: he must feel pretty strongly about it to be replying on x about it
1: yeah yeah usually just blocks people we know. Mm-hmm. Oh. threatens to put your name out there, your do wife's you think, name.
0: Do you think Avatar Sinkin' Stanley will come and try to annoy Avatar Paul Stanley?
1: I hope so. Yeah. Now that's something I'd like to
0: see. <laughs> Sinkin' Stanley kind of already is an avatar, though. <laughs> hey! Um, this is something that popped up. This is the last Kiss thing of the day. But this is something that popped up on the Kiss Room uh, Facebook group. And join that group if you want to, but don't be an ass. You're welcome, Matt Porter. Um, uh, this was a story from October of 2020, and it kind of just fell through the cracks. But somebody posted it in the Kiss Room group. And it's that the headline is, Kiss nearly launched an NBC cartoon in 1979 with a quote from Gene saying, or uh, saying that Hanna-Barbera had the thing ready to go, Bill of Coyne put the brakes on it, or oh, actually uh, Kistorian Bob Nash, who I don't know who that is, but it was on the 80s glam metal cast. But that's interesting, but I think we had all heard things about that they were planning a cartoon, so that's not really a big story. But in this article, this guy, now I, I don't know anything about Bob Nash or what makes him a historian. but there's an interesting quote in here where he mentions – there's all kinds of unseen footage for an Elder box set. And he says, here's why I would do an Elder box set. The same old stuff's been out there on YouTube for years, but there are more things out there that the band doesn't have. Most fans have seen Kiss perform The Oath, World Without Heroes, and I from the TV show Fridays. That afternoon of the Friday's performance was also filmed. During that footage, Paul is teaching Ace the guitar solo to The Oath, and it's a train wreck. Wow! says it's crazy because Paul has to keep stopping and showing him parts. That's never been released. That, the sound check itself is unbelievable. Some recent recordings have also surfaced from the Ace and the Hole studios. These are fantastic, and it's only Ace Gene, Eric Carr, and Bob Ezrin. You can hear them talking between stuff. This recording has never seen the light of day. I think the fans would pay through the nose to see and hear this stuff. Wow. I've never heard anything about this.
1: That's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, and like that's something you would have expected to be with the uh Sam Loomis stuff,
1: yeah, yeah, or under a pile of garbage bags in one of Ace Fraley's storage units,
0: yeah, possibly. But uh, that that's pretty, I'm not even a fan of the Elder, but I would love to see that footage,
1: yeah, that would be pretty wild, yeah, because you think about it, Ace really wasn't all that involved in the Elder, Mm -mm. and so you got to imagine like, okay, we're gonna play this song, like. But I'm about to quit the band Like yeah but you gotta learn how to play this first Oh man This stuff is stupid I didn't even want to do this stupid
0: album <laughs> Yeah it'd be interesting to see check And tra- I wonder if that's check footage without makeup Hmm That
1: might be kind of cool know, Makes you wonder because With TV cameras and stuff around You'd think They'd have it on But maybe not You know, it's not the early days of KISS anymore. At that point, I mean, they were getting seen more and more without their makeup on. Yeah.
0: Actually, I found a video clip on YouTube from, it was a local news station in Atlanta in in 1981 talking about, like, the opening of some big disco that they had opened up. And they showed uh, Paul without his makeup. He was there. Wow. Yeah. And that was, you know, well before they took the makeup off.
1: Yeah. And then going back to the cartoon, that's one thing I always kind of wondered about. Like, it seemed like an obvious thing for Kiss to do back then, especially after the movie and all that stuff, to become cartoon characters and be on Saturday mornings. i am always looked back and was kind of surprised that it never really became a thing.
0: Yeah. And apparently the reason is Bill Coin didn't want them to be overexposed in 1979. I'm like, as opposed to
1: all the other shit they were doing? Yeah. See, but... He's right in one aspect of that because, like, at that point, and I always look back to my Uncle Bruce, and he's seen Kiss on tour in 79 and was, like, looked around and saw all the little kids in the audience, and he came up with Kiss when they were kind of a dangerous band, you know, and people were afraid of him. And then to see that, little all them little kids, and then walk away going, yeah, fuck Kiss, you know, Judas Priest, though, holy shit. At that point, my Uncle Bruce looks at Kiss like, oh, well, these guys used to be cool, but now they're for little kids. A cartoon on Saturday morning of Kiss would have been, man, another hole in a sinking ship. Yeah. I don't think it would have saved them in any way. I don't think it would have peaked their popularity or made them last longer or keep their makeup on longer or anything like that. I mean, I just think it might have been the end of Kiss because I, I, if I think about it, in 1979, I'd have been about four years old. I'd have been all about it. I'd have been watching that shit every Saturday morning. I'd have never missed it. Yeah. But I got to wonder then going forward if I would have got to a point and said, wow, yeah, Kiss is for kids, and I don't want to listen to Kiss anymore, and then lost them through the whole 80s because of it.
0: Right. Yeah, I mean, maybe they view that as that's fully diving into the kiddie market.
1: Yeah, that would have been too far.
0: But they were already knee deep in it. Well yeah, the the artwork that they used for the article was the backing for the uh rub and play. You remember rub and play? It was the like or color forms, it was the back backing right. for whatever that product was. And it looks like what you would imagine a kiss cartoon would look like.
1: Yeah, back then. Yeah. That's but, weird, man. It's weird. It would have been awesome when I was five years old.
0: let's talk about a band we never talk about. Let's talk about Ugly Kid Joe. <laughs> oh,
1: snap. I just played some Ugly Kid Joe on the last episode. <laughs> totally being facetious. And they facet- liked it. They liked it on Facebook. Did you see that? I did. Yeah? Yeah. yeah. And then they listened to it. And it was like, they're talking shit.
0: Yeah, but uh, Ugly Kid Joe bassist Cordell Crockett talked to Guitar World, and they had him reflect on uh, some of his favorite albums and because at first he's talking about sergeant pepper but the van halen part is he says uh women and children first from 1980 says probably one of the hardest gigs to have as a bassist is supporting the greatest guitar player of all time add to that a singer who's as crazy as patsy klein and a drummer who uses four kick drums and you come up with a guy who clobbers his bass and sings like a lark michael anthony yeah this their third album has the most high energy performances of all their records in my opinion I used to always go for the fast tracks on those albums, Romeo Delight and Lost Control are the shit. But uh, it good pro- I'm always happy when Michael Anthony gets praise for his time in Van Halen because he, he seems to be very underrated.
1: I would say so. But that's a lot of times the curse of being the bass player. You know, everybody's looking at the guitar player. And when you're in a band like Van Halen, holy shit, look at the guitar player. And then it's like, what the hell's the lead singer doing? You know, he's causing spontaneous orgasms in the audience and then look at the drummer holy shit look what he's doing and then it's like you know how do you stand next to all that and stand out well michael anthony found a way you know he really did that's perfect explanation of it is beating the shit out of his bass and then singing amazing those backup vocals were so important to the sound of van halen that if you got rid of his michael anthony's background vocals in them songs they'd all suffer for it yeah Uh, so the
0: article itself is about like favorite bass players and the songs that they affected so his number one was mccartney playing on the title track for sergeant or no lucy in the sky with diamonds yeah and uh he other picks are like stanley clark earth wind and fire and the brothers johnson so he had some varied taste
1: yeah well you look at ugly kid joe and they've always had that kind of funky flavor too yeah that's really and like i said you know i've gotten into funk over the last couple of years pretty deeply and that's always my favorite thing about funk music is the bass guitar you know the bass guitar you you gotta fucking rule that thing if you're gonna be in a funk band
0: Through what I got, do you want to do
1: your segment? Sure, yeah, gotta bring some funk into our lives. Well, I got some stuff for you, too. This is the Camaro segment. Uh, we mentioned it last week, you know, it's the last week of the year, it's the most unpopular time to release new music. So, I mean, there might be something coming out that'd be weird. I don't know nothing, you know. And then I look back on like the album anniversaries. And throughout history, it's true. There really ain't a whole lot, nothing even worth mentioning, that came out this time of year. So, kind of a week off from that stuff. But I did say we were going to talk about some bands that told us we were getting albums in 2023, but never came through. Oh, man, you guys are in trouble. I'm talking about except Those guys have been working on this album for a long-ass time now it was supposed to come out in 2023. I hear it's done and that it should be coming out in the early part of 2024. So we'll give them a pass. Same thing with Anthrax. I think maybe the whole Pantera thing maybe messed that up a little bit, possibly. But they've been working on that album for a long time. And in 2022, they said it was coming out in 2023. And here we are, right up to the last moment. And still nothing new from Anthrax. But we'll give him a pass because it's supposed to be coming pretty quick. Same with Ace Fraley. He said we were getting a new one this year, but it's coming in the spring. So I'm told. We'll see. Got that first single out, 10,000 volts. That's damn cool. I'm excited to hear more and excited for that album. There's a lot to look forward to already in 2024. Another band that told us we'd get something this year we didn't get anything from, Hard Rockers big ACDC fans from Australia, the band Airborne. I like them a lot. Then I was like, heck yeah, man, I'd buy a new album from Airborne, but I never got the opportunity. I don't know what's up with that, but I guess we'll hang out in 2024 and see if that comes around. Another one, this one even as far as having a title for the album, the album's going to be called Merciless, and supposedly it's a new album from Body Count. So Hmm. I got to imagine if they got the title even, And this was announced way early in the year that we were going to get this in 2023. I got to imagine it's done. I don't know why it's not being released, but I would definitely check out a new album from Body Count. Those guys always rock. So where is it at? I don't know. Here's a few more. Thrash Metal Legends' Dark Angel were supposed to come out with a new album this year. Haven't seen nothing from them. The band Europe. Yeah, they're still at it. They're making albums, but not for 2023. Maybe 2024, we'll have to see. Canadian rockers Helix. I know the world's waiting for a new album from Helix.
0: I don't mind some Helix, I like some of their stuff.
1: I do too. They were supposed to have a new album in 2023, unless I missed it somewhere along the line. I haven't seen that one either. Uh, Kings of Chaos, the Matt Sorum thing with all the different members. It seemed like it was a pretty cool thing when they were talking about it way back early in the year about this album coming out, and then all the different people could be playing on it. I was like, man, that looks cool. I'll have to keep that on my radar for when that comes out. But it never did, unless they were sneaky about it, and I missed it somehow. It's Mm. not out. Another one we were supposed to get this year was a new album from Merciful Fate. I know a lot of people love the King Diamond. He was supposed to be back with his band, putting out a new album. What happened? I don't know. Uh, The band The Rods. This one, I was surprised. I was like, I didn't even know The Rods still put out albums anymore. Me neither. They were supposed to in 2023, but I haven't seen that either. That was a band I never heard of before. And then I think I heard a podcast one time with Lee Gerstman and Ralph Vieira talking about the band The Rods. And I was like, man, that sounds awesome. Then I went out and listened to some on the internet I was like, that is awesome. So now I got to find some more albums from them. I was hoping to hear that new one this year, but nothing from the Rods. Where you at, guys? Uh, Trouble. I've gone through a lot of different singers over the years. They got a new one now. Maybe that was part of the problem. I don't know. But we were supposed to get a new album from Trouble this year. I haven't seen it. And then the final one I got on here. This is one that everybody's been holding their breath for for a long, long time, I know. In 2023 we were supposed to get the new one from the Vinnie Vincent Invasion. <laughs> <laughs> Judgment Day: Guitar Megadeth 2. Where's it at? It's in Vinny's house and is it with the box
0: sets? It, it'll never come out, trust me. Well, I mean,
1: just add it to the list of the box sets and everything else. Well, I don't, I don't think he's actually taking orders for this one at least. But there was a time, like not that long ago, where I was talking to somebody who was seemingly in the know that told me that this was supposed to be like a real band effort. Like there was a singer, there was at least a drum machine, I got to imagine. <laughs> I can bet on that. And it was supposed to have songs. Like it was supposed to be like a real album, not just a whole album of blah, 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 from Vinnie Vincent. Mm. But And I even said to him at the time, like, come on. You really believe that? No, no. I've been told, you know, by multiple people that would truly be in the know that this thing is done. And I go, oh man, I don't know if I buy that. And you say, I'm telling you, you know, the guys that told me this are very trustworthy. I like, well, I'll believe it when I see it. We haven't seen it in 2023. And like you said, probably never will (laughs) it'll be out in the spring right yeah no i don't believe that
0: i didn't say what year
1: yeah the spring of 2027 to coincide with the kiss avatars how awesome if kiss
0: can wait that long so can he
1: that's one i don't mind waiting for
0: (laughs) well from what i hear if you enjoy getting verbally abused and not allowed to say much of anything join his uh vinnie vincent euphoria page
1: (laughs) the only thing allowed is praise
0: Oh, yeah, and no no mention of, uh, other than Robert Fleischman, no mention of ex-Invasion members. I'm glad that he's grown up and moved on from all that.
1: I mean, you got to understand that those guys are a part of it. They all did their part. People didn't love those bands like the Vinnie Vincent Invasion only because of Vinnie Vincent. I mean, there was other very talented people involved, too. And when, I mean, I know this Vinnie Vincent we're talking about, and... I know he believes that nobody cares about none of these other things. They're only here to see me. They're only buying the Vinnie Vincent Invasion album because of me. They're only coming to see us live because of me. They're only coming to see Iron Maiden because we're I'm opening for them. You know, that's the Vinnie Vincent mentality, but when it comes to a band, you know, there's equal parts involved here that draw in different people. So it's kind of selfish and phony to pretend like These other people weren't valuable at all because that only reflects poorly on you, yourself. If they suck so bad, why did you hire them? Why did you have them involved in your projects? You're only as good as the people around you in that situation.
0: Well, maybe those guys couldn't make salad properly or something. I don't know.
2: (laughs) (laughs)
1: Shredder. So those were ones we're supposed to have in 2023. Have not seen them, maybe 2024. It's right around the corner, so we'll see. And there's a lot of other stuff I'm told is going to be coming our way in the next year. And as always, a lot of surprises. Yeah, it's some pretty good stuff this year. And we'll go through all that when we do the best of 2023 in just a couple of weeks. And then Let's see, since we don't have no real album anniversaries and we don't have really anything to look forward to this last week of the year, then I'm going to go ahead and jump right to the Rockstar Death Days. Thankfully, not very many, but we got a few on here we definitely want to talk about. We want to remember back in 2022, passed away at the age of 50 from a heart attack, the godfather of pretentious punk, Joe Strummer, The Clash. You a Clash fan? No, not at all.
0: Never understood the appeal of that band. I mean, I might like one or two songs. You can't deny "Should I Stay or Should I Go" is a catchy tune, but yeah. I I never saw what the big deal was in them. This is a this is my tribute to Joe Strummer.
1: Well, you know, and I kind of agree with that cuz the Clash is kind of a weird band cuz people say, "Oh, they're such an important part of punk rock." But these guys were like the they were suckling at the tit of the Sex Pistols. You know, they were the Sex Pistols were the shit in England at the time when punk was breaking. And then the Ramones come to the UK and do shows and then bands like The Clash see them. But when it comes to like punk rock, I don't know. The Clash is almost more reggae than they are punk. When I listen to the music, I was always confused by that. Like these guys are punk rock But they don't really sound like a punk rock band.
0: I never got into them much. I just and I love how David Lee Roth clowned on them at uh, yeah the uh, what was it Uh,
1: the US Festival US Festival in '83. Yeah, that was that was a a thing. That was where the Clash was acting like you know how the Clash does you know fighting for the poor and hating on the rich and and then they pissed off all the promoters at the show and the promoters put a big sign that showed a picture of the check giant behind them for what they were getting paid which was quite a bit of money
0: that was insane amounts of money
1: but there are clash songs that i do like like you said you know um should i stay or should i go Is catchy as hell i like the song train in vain i love the song guns of brixton you know so they've got some cool stuff but yeah just a handful of things by the clash i like Can't deny, you know, Joe Strummer influencing guys like Bono and John Cougar melons and kind of rock and roll that, you know, we're going to talk down to you and tell you how you should live kind of thing. You know, it's a whole genre. Here's something I learned about Joe Strummer. When he was a young dude, they came to him and said, hey, there's this girl from South Africa and she's about to get deported from the U.K., We'll pay you whatever amount of money it was to marry her so she can stay in the UK. Just on paper, we'll pay you. All right. And he said, okay. And he took the money and he bought a guitar, and that's where his musical career began. Off a sham marriage. Yeah. That's funny. And then years later, the poor guy fell in love and wanted to marry his girlfriend, and then he couldn't do it because he couldn't find the chick he was actually married to. <laughs> It's crazy how things work back then. I guess you still do that nowadays if you had to.
0: As long as they don't find out that you're doing it for those reasons, yeah.
1: Right, yeah. You don't follow the money on this one. <laughs> yeah. Now we see
2: the clashes, we have a mission. You know, we we have to bring rebel rock mm. to, to to the same to be bigger than than a music that has no meaning, such as say
1: heavy metal. All right, here's one that's near and dear to me. And this was A band that, outside of one song, I ain't know nothing about them. But after years of doing this show, which this is amazing to me, like 13 years of doing this, has made me such a better fan and a bigger appreciator of rock music to be turned on to stuff. And this was a band that you really turned me on to because the only thing I knew about Mountain was, of course, Mississippi Queen. That's the only song I ever heard from them. But then one time years ago, you played that theme for a Western something. Theme from an
0: imaginary Western.
1: That's it. Theme from an imaginary Western. And that's a crazy-ass song. And the guitar playing is so good in it. And so I go, you know what? I'm going to look at more of this mountain. And I became a huge fan, especially of Leslie West. And back in 2020, on the 23rd, we lost him at the age of 75, from a heart attack, but, I mean, Leslie West, man, he did a lot of drugs in the 70s, and he even kind of attributed the fact that they did so many drugs and partied so much that they kind of hurt themselves to not be bigger than what they were, because you look back on them now and Mountain's classic example of a one-hit wonder, yeah, but they had a lot of albums, they had a lot of great songs, and, you know, he said their own bullshit kind of messed them up, to be bigger than what they were took him a while of party in to realize that so he gets clean in the 80s just in time to be diagnosed with diabetes which leslie west was always kind of a big dude mm. his nickname was the great fat yep yeah that's what they called him and so he's got diabetes and he kind of lives with that and then in the 2000s he gets bladder cancer but he beats that And then, by 2011, he's in real bad shape from the diabetes. He actually loses one of his legs. And then, you know, it's just health problems for him for the rest of his life after that. By 2020, they take him to a hospital in Palm Coast, Florida, after he has a heart attack, but it's too late to save him. 75 years old. Man, that's a guy, if you don't know, you got to check him out, because he is an amazing guitar player. And... Some of those albums from the 70s, like there's one called uh, "Nantucket Sleigh Ride. Yeah, that's a good one. And that's got some really, the whole thing's not, it's not a perfect album or nothing. There's With Mountain, there's always some weird stuff mixed in there too. But there's a handful of songs on there that are just outstanding. And then he did a lot of solo albums over the years too that got a lot of cool stuff on them. So mm-hmm. check you out some Leslie West. And this time of year, you definitely want to remember them. Another one! Wow, 1983—that can't be right. 39 years old—I don't know if that seems right. I might have to look that up. Uh, on the 28th, you want to remember the old-school drummer from the Beach Boys. I know Beach Boys aren't hard rock or metal, but Dennis Wilson was a pretty cool dude. Yep. He was the young uh, middle brother, I think, from the Wilson brothers out of the Beach Boys. Dennis, the drummer—he was the only one that could actually surf believe it or not. Mm -hmm. You'd assume all the Beach Boys were great surfers. Nope, just the one. He was a wild dude, wild and crazy, fist fighting, drug snorting, drinking, partying all the damn time. And you always heard the crazy story about the Beach Boys and their connection with Charles Manson. Well, that was all because of Dennis.
0: He picked up a couple of Manson girls as uh, hitchhikers.
1: Next thing he knows, he's got the whole Manson family living in his house. Yeah. And he's flipping the bill for everything, writing music with the guy. And then he takes a song and brings it in for the Beach Boys and said, hey, this is something I worked on with this dude. And they go, well, let's change some words on it. Let's change some things on it. And then it became a completely different song. And when that album came out and Charles Manson heard that, and then he saw that he wasn't even credited on it, That's what they say. This guy was already a fruit loop to begin with, but that really put him over the edge.
0: Yep. And the album was produced by Terry Melcher. Yeah? Yeah, it was. Terry Melcher was the producer, and I think it somehow word got back to Charles that Melcher was the one who nixed the credit, maybe, or something like that, or talked down about it. And um, Melcher was the person who lived in that house before Roman Polanski and Sharon Tate. Wow. And a the, 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 lot of people think that the reason the attack happened there is they were trying to go after Terry Melcher.
1: Wow. That's wild. That whole story is wild. This whole story with Dennis Wilson's pretty crazy, too. Did you know Dennis Wilson once beat the shit out of Charles Manson? No, but I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> Physically beat his ass. Charles Manson would threaten him. Like after all this goes down. One time he shows him a bullet. And he goes, do you know what this is? Dennis Wilson says, well, yeah, it's a bullet. He goes, here, take it. Every time you look at it, I want you to feel good about the fact that your wife and kids are alive. Ooh. And Dennis Wilson goes, oh, yeah, eat some fists, and beats the crap out of them. But after that, you know, he's, it messed him up, man. But he did a lot of drugs too, a lot of heroin, a lot of coke, a lot of drinking. He was messed up dude, and he ended up drowning. He, I guess, the story was, was he had a, A nice boat out in Marina Del Rey in California which is a beautiful area lots of nice boats out there and he like three years before he died he divorced his wife they got in a big fight and he threw a bunch of her shit off the boat and then years later he's all buzzed up and says you know what I'm going to do a little diving and see if I can find some of that stuff and while he's down there something goes wrong maybe the fact that he was all messed up while he was trying to do it and he ended up drowning Kind of a cool part of the story. I mean, it's it's all sad, and it all kind of sucks, and it's it's pretty good read if you want to check out how his life went.
0: Well, it, it didn't suck for everybody. John Stamos got a job out of it.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, Uncle Jesse. <laughs> but uh, when he passes away, he wants to be buried at sea. He's a beach boy, right? That makes sense, and that was his wish, so they want to do that, but his brothers don't want him cremated. And at the time, being buried at sea without being cremated was only reserved to members of the Navy, I think, or maybe the Coast Guard too. And so that was like a special thing. But Ronald Reagan, the president, actually gave permission, an exception to the rule for this, for they could take his body out and dump it at sea. Wow. Yeah, well, that's the power of the Beach Boys, man.
0: I'm glad I'm glad that Mike Love always wears the hat that says the Beach Boys so you know who you're seeing live.
1: <laughs> I like the doo-doo-doo shit. Didn't give it away? Yeah. Oh. You know, if that's a band, you know, like you listen to the Beatles and you go, yeah, you know, I can understand why the older folks were all crazy about them. You listen to the Stones go, yeah, I understand why they were so huge back in their time. And then you think, well, the Beach Boys must have some good stuff too, right? And you try to listen to the Beach Boys. Like, I just pick random albums and go, I'm going to check this one out. And it's like, man, I just, I can't get into it. There's very few Beach Boys songs that I go, yeah, this one's awesome. I like this a lot. Not really any I could think of. I'm not like a super fan, but I mean, I like pet. You don't like pet sounds? I don't know. Maybe I haven't spent enough time with it. I mean, like good vibrations. I mean, it's that's good. I guess that's cool. uh,
0: God only knows. That's a great one.
1: Yeah, it's a good ballad. I guess. It's. I mean,
0: it's just not. It's not hard rock or anything. But it, it. No. I like it for what it is.
1: And then I got one more. Clearly, obviously, everybody probably already knows this one. On the 28th, one of the most important figures and legendary rockers of ours or anybody else's lifetime. If anybody deserves to have an avatar made out of them that lives forever, might be this dude right here. Lost him back in 2015. At the age of 70, the one and only Lemmy still feels like yesterday, really. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it was
0: that long ago.
1: uh-uh it don't you know and it's it still hurts me to even think about it. that's that's always the bummer about doing the rock star death days because it brings you back to like the moments you know the moments that you find out in this one man. This one made me sad because, man, I love me some Motorhead. You got to love Lemmy. Every interview he ever did that I ever seen was like, man, this guy is the coolest. You know, not only is he the awesome rocker up on stage and coming out with these amazing albums, but like you'd see him on the VHS tapes and he'd be like, ask Lemmy, you know, and he'd be funny, but he'd, the things he'd say, you go, man, that guy's cool as hell. And he was more than just a rock star. He was somebody that you would look at and go, man, would I love to hang out with a dude like that. You know, so cool. Or sometimes you get the impression like what you're seeing on stage, what you're seeing on the rock videos. That's not really how it is. But with Lemmy, it's legit. Like everything this guy says and does, that's really him. That's like in the decline of Western civilization part two, you look at the shit Paul Stanley's doing and you look at the stuff that Ozzy's doing and Gene Simmons is doing. But then you look at Lemmy and it's like, that's the real thing right there.
0: Yeah. He just went up on a Hill and with his jean jacket and answered questions. And, And it was, it was just as captivating as anything else in the movie.
1: If not more so because it's Lemmy and everything he's saying is so damn cool. There's somebody that I
0: would have loved to have listened to a podcast by.
1: Yeah, man. Yeah, I wish he would still be around even for that and more music and the fact that we'll never get new Motorhead ever again. You know, that one hit me pretty hard, too, because, man, those last few albums that Motorhead came out with were money, man. They were killing it towards the end there.
0: Yeah. Didn't he, didn't he play a show either on the day that he died or the day before?
1: Um, I don't know that. I know that he had been doing shows and like a lot of stuff had been canceled In the couple of years leading up to him passing away because of different things that were coming up. Because, I mean, in the early 2000s is really when he started having bad health problems. And it doesn't get any better from there. But he still, you know, does a little bit of drugs and plenty of drinking and still smoking all the time. And, you know, after a while, he cuts back on that stuff a little bit. But he never completely stops. No. and Because he had the attitude of, you know what? I'm getting old. You know, I don't care. I'm going to enjoy my life for the rest of what I got. And then when he finally dies, they find out that he had heart problems, he had multiple types of cancer, plus diabetes. But he drug it out to 70 years old, and you know what? He went out on his own terms. Oh, for sure. So you give it to him for that. Do we miss him? Fuck yeah, we miss Lemmy. But to know that that man, he he lived his life by his own set of rules, And when it was at the end, he went out the way that he chose. And I got a ton of respect for that for him. But you got to think about the music, you know, the music that he gave us over the years. Somebody that, in rock, like a lot of our legends are dummies. But Lemmy wasn't dumb. He was like a wise man. Like the things he would say, he'd go, whoa, fuck yeah, Lemmy. And I miss that. And I'm always going to miss that. And every year we do this list at this time of year, we're all going to miss it together. So for Joe Strummer, Leslie West, Dennis Wilson, and most of all, Lemmy, raise one up this week, play you some Motorhead, make it nice and loud, and never forget the legend of Lemmy. So there you have it. That's your Camaro segment for the week. The last one of 2023. And we'll start this all over again next year in 2024 when we're looking forward to new albums coming out. Celebrating album anniversaries because, man, we're going to hit it hard and heavy in January again. And also... We'll always remember our rock star heroes with rock star death days. So we'll keep that rolling. All right. Well, you want to take uh, the next story? Looks like you added this one. I did add this one. You know, we don't never talk about politics on the Decibel Geek podcast, and that's for a damn good reason, because we love everybody and we don't want to know, cause no problems or division with anybody. But this one's kind of a political story, but not really me, myself. You know what, I see things on both sides There's stuff that the Democrats say that I go Yeah, I agree with a lot of that stuff And there's stuff that the Republicans say I say, you know, I agree with a lot of that stuff too I've always kind of considered myself an independent Right in the middle, a little bit of both, you know And what really solidifies that for me Is the fact that all these years that I've been voting There's really only been one guy That I was really, I felt good about Hitting that button for And that was years ago With a guy named Ron Paul And he was an independent, but he was really smart about money, and his whole thing was about saving money. And his son, Rand Paul, he's still doing it. He's in politics and in the government, and he does this thing every year where he kind of carries on the traditions of Ron Paul when he talks about foolish things that the U.S. government is wasting their money on. And every year, it's a pretty wild thing to see because you look at it and go, that's where my tax dollars are going? (laughs) And there's a lot of times, there's some pretty ridiculous stuff on there. And he recently did his Festivus Grievances report on wasteful government spending. And how this comes into connection with what we talk about here is that the band Slipknot, Corn, and Nickelback were name-checked in his report on wasteful government spending. And I thought, what? Well, how can that be? So... He put together this list and found $900 billion in federal waste spending this year and more than $200 million that was doled out to dozens of famous music artists and their touring companies under the Small Business Administration's Shuttered Venue Operations Grant. The program, Paul said, was supposed to provide a lifeline to small entertainment businesses nationwide, Instead, the report found so-called small business owners such as Post Malone, Lil Wayne, Chris Brown, the Smashing Pumpkins received up to $10 million each. Even Nickelback received $2 million. And they said that there's no real way to see how this money got spent. While some may claim these funds were used to keep supporting staff He said the artists weren't required to do so, and so they have no way of determining how these blank checks were even used. So basically what he's saying is like, we, the taxpayers, gave these millionaires millions and millions of dollars, (laughs) and nobody knows how they spent it.
0: Oh, yeah, even outside of music, I've heard of tons of uh, people taking advantage of the free government money that was available uh, for businesses, so... Uh, that I'm not surprised. Um, it's disappointing, but I can't say I'm shocked.
1: Yeah, it says here 16 billion to closed venues. Wow! In 2023, this is that's that's wild. You know, it's not like it's 2020 anymore. Nope,
0: but uh, people people know how to spend money, and uh, I hope Nickelback enjoyed
1: their vacation. Yeah, corn. What did you do with that 5.3 mil, huh? Oh. It's got
2: money.
0: Well, you ready for the clueless headline of the week? Yeah. Sebastian Bach on the potential of a skid row reunion. Quote, I don't understand why we never tried working with a therapist.
1: Hmm. You know, lots of other bands have done that over the
0: years. Okay. Sebastian, even 2023 Sebastian, is still an overgrown 12-year-old. Can you imagine Sebastian Bach in 1996 being told, yeah, we're gonna we're going to go to therapy? You really think he would have gone for it? Huh. No, probably not back then. This is totally a 2020 hindsight thing because Right, yeah. I, and plus from what I gather that they were sick of him by then and I don't know that anything would have fixed that.
1: Right? And they were on a downward slope in their career. Their album was album that came out after Slave to the Grind didn't do nearly what Slave to the Grind had done. Yeah, they were falling off and so when everybody's miserable and you're losing your popularity and you see it, it's like why? You know, why should we do this? What would we have to gain by doing this? And even if they did at that time, you know, get a therapist and work it out and keep the original lineup together and do a follow up to Subhuman Race, what's to say that album would have done any better?
0: I think they had just the level of success they were going to have. And they they peaked with or without Sebastian, I mean, the peak had already hit, and times were changing. So I don't know that the albums would have sold any better. And at this point, I think they missed their reunion window anyway for when the the demand would have been the highest. I don't think there's much demand for it now. And, you know, Rob Afuso appears in his new video, and I saw an interview with Rob where he said that, uh I think in the last ten like ten years ago they were they were really close to having it ready to go, and sebastian or he said he just said it was a text message exchange that screwed it all up now that confirms what I've heard from people in the know that Sebastian fucked the whole thing up with some comments he made in a text thread.
1: yeah, see, I don't know, I would still think. Today, if they said, we figured it out, we know we're going to do it, it's going to work, I think it'd be a pretty big deal, but I don't think they'd be like, you know, the Def Leppard package with all those bands. I don't see Skid Row on top of one of them. I can see them down below, like being one of the bands that opens for Def Leppard, but I don't see them as, this is the tour, you know, the reunion of Skid Row on top, and then, you know motley Crue, poison steve miller band you know (laughs) bands like that underneath
0: yeah i don't sebastian plays theaters at best and so does skid row right now and i get i can't see the attendance jumping that much more i think yeah i think the novelty of it would get them on some festival shows but they would not be headliners
1: no i don't think so
0: and that's not enough for Rachel and Snake to put up with him. And yeah, Scott. it's not
1: worth it. You know, I mean, if they came back and said, we guarantee that we're going to put you on top of this tour with some good supporting bands underneath you, and we guarantee you're going to sell out arenas just the same way as Def Leppard is, and even if you don't, you're going to get paid the same either way, big, big money, that might be something to consider. But to say, all right, we're going to put you back together with, with Sebastian Bach. You don't like it. And also, you're not going to elevate or make much more money than you are now with your new lead singer that you've got. At that point, it's like, well, then why would we do that? We're actually happy with the guy we got now. We're actually putting out new music like they did last year. And so there's no real benefit to counteract the pain in the ass that it would be.
0: Yeah, and Snake and Rachel own most of the publishing, so any radio spins, they're making bank on all that
1: yeah and then the therapist would say guys i totally understand your problem do not reunite with this guy yeah exactly it's just not worth it
0: (laughs) i think a therapist would need a therapist after dealing with sebastian bach
1: yeah that's possible
0: i couldn't imagine being in in a room with him for more than an hour personally
1: (laughs) no if it was just you and him locked in a room together oh god He's just—he's too fucking over the top. Yeah, and he'd get mad. He'd say something wrong, and he'd get mad and be like, "I didn't mean it like that." Fuck you! <laughs> <laughs> I'm
0: gonna kick your fucking ass. I mean, the guy actually tried to ban Rock and Ron from a venue. It's like, right?
1: How, I got no—I got no respect for him. Yeah, and was mad at us. Oh, I hated us for what? Us. You know, we didn't do anything, and he was mad at us, and we've heard that story before a million times and you know it's just yeah i mean if there was a chance for a a reunion and it to be a big deal probably would have happened somewhere around 2008 maybe well the word is when they were negotiating
0: it um that the plan was to do be the opener for gnr
1: Yeah, see, that would have been pretty awesome. And I think more people would have probably came out for that.
0: Yeah, that was the rumor I heard. But anyway, never going to happen.
1: That could have been really cool. And maybe, you know, because Sebastian Bach is always so far up Axl Rose's ass, maybe he would have been on good behavior because of Axl Rose. You know, like, oh, I don't want to upset this guy. You know, he actually had Axl Rose appear on a couple of songs on his Angel Down album all them years ago
0: yeah i think if gnr was the headliner and axel was around and at least he was the guy in you know in charge of the show i think sebastian probably for his sake would have behaved himself that would be the only way yeah although hell ted nugent couldn't get him to calm down when he did that fucking vh1 show
1: (laughs) right and and he idolized Nugent. (laughs) savage animal man
0: that rolls right off the tongue oh boy Story I've got actually, no, I've got two more stories. This one uh, I thought was interesting. Uh, Tesla guitarist Frank Hannon did an interview with Scott Itter of Doctor Music and was asked if he'd be opening, open to reuniting with Troy Lucetta and Tommy Skio for a couple of songs at a one off show in the future. And uh, his quote was If we plan the final show, like the last one night, this is going to be it. This is the big ending party. Personally, I'd probably be open to that. But going on the road, living on a bus and trying to rely on somebody for more than one show, it's like being married. And once you get divorced, you don't want to be living with that divorced person again. And, you know, he goes on to praise their playing and everything. Um, But uh, sounds like (laughs) if it's not the final show, he doesn't want to play with either of them again.
1: Yeah, I think more Tommy than Troy. It seemed like I read that article too and what's cool is that he like he really really praises the guitar playing of Tommy Skio. you oh, know yeah. so he doesn't take that away from these guys their talents at all you know he really recognizes them for it and even goes as far as calling Tommy Skiel one of the best guitarists he's ever heard but that's one of them things you know Tommy's a different guy you know and yeah. he's a little wild he really is, but he's a cool dude, mm-hmm. but he's another one, too, where it's like, that time we interviewed him, he was so cool and so nice, but you also kind of got that vibe of, you know, yeah, I could see being around him all the time might be a little taxing if you're just, like, trying to do your job and live kind of a normal life, you know, he's he's a little wild.
0: Yeah, and, you know, he's playing in uh, the band Bad Marriage now, yeah, and... You know, so this kind of nixes what I thought was happening, or maybe it doesn't. Um, I know when he got that gig because like Bad Marriage before that had done a run of shows opening for Tesla, and I think Brian Wheat has some involvement from the management side of that band. And so, my conspiracy theory at the time was he's in Bad Marriage as a tryout to possibly get back in Tesla, yeah. But, uh, but doesn't sound like it from what Frank's saying. Sucks though, and I don't all respect to Dave Root. He's a great player and he plays the parts really well. But yeah. the combination of Skio and Frank Hannon, man, geez, there's some amazing yeah. like dual leads and stuff that those guys did. I'd love to see them play together again.
1: Yeah. Without a doubt, one of the greatest guitar duos of all time.
0: Very underrated guitar duo. They don't come up much in, in conversation, but they're great.
1: And then you look at Tommy Skio, like I said, he's a little wild. And then you got Tro- Troy Luqueta, who's the complete opposite. So then yeah. you got you're touring with the devil and the angel at the same time, and you're trying to stay right in the middle. <laughs> yeah, well, like
0: you know, we've been fortunate to talk to Troy a number of times, and when the impression—I don't know about you—but the impression I always got is like I'm picturing him on the bus with the guys in the band. It almost feels like Troy came off as the dad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But the cool dad, you know, uh, but he just always seemed a little more on the serious side than the other ones.
1: Right. And such a sweethearted guy. He was very so nice. Very nice. Guy. Yeah. Um, I could see it'd be tough hanging out with Troy sometimes, too, because then you have to feel like you're on your very best behavior all the time, or you might get scolded.
0: Yeah. With Tommy, it was the opposite. You, you didn't know what he was going to say next. Right. Uh, like, very honest, but probably to a fault if you're in a band with
1: him. Hanging out with Tommy, it's like, oh, shit, we might get arrested tonight. You know, and hanging out with Troy, it's like, I better watch my P's and Q's. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah, you don't want to disappoint
1: Troy. Right, exactly.
0: story to end things today uh there's apparently an apartment building called metallica and next to it is an apartment building called nirvana and these are both in turkey
1: Well, that's weird
0: yeah that's uh mersin turkey is where they are and atop the metallica building is an actual metallica logo
1: <laughs> wow that's that's marketing right there i guess is it like a metallica themed hotel no, um,
0: it's, it went viral this month, and this is from Loudwire. I'll give credit where it's due. And it says, we're now learning it's the work of contractor Musbadrav, a 56-year-old rock and metal fan who immigrated from Syria to Turkey in 2012. He named it as an ode to Metallica, but the Nirvana complex appears to share its name with the grunge band by coincidence. And he said, when I started the – This building, this construction, I plan to give it the name Metallica. Why? Because I like this band. I like this music, hard rock, speed metal. (laughs) And he says Megadeth Death Death Leopard. Okay. Um, And then uh, he said that while the adjacent apartment building is called Nirvana, the outfit that built that structure was uninformed of the moniker's musical significance. He says they gave it the name, but they don't know the meaning of Nirvana. They're one company and I'm another company. However, he is already, he already has the name for his next building ready. Can you guess what it is?
1: Hmm. I don't think it'd be Megadeth. You don't want to call it something like that where people would be scared to stay there.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know, Pantera? No. He says, I will give Guns N' Roses, the other construction. Wow. He says, and I will put the logo in the entrance and I will sign it, Welcome to the Jungle.
1: Wow. Can you not get in trouble for something like that? You would think you
0: could, but... I guess if I'm in Metallica, I'd just probably be like, this is too cool. Just let them do
1: it. I don't right. know. It's in Turkey. You know, it's not I mean, like not like you're opening the, the Kiss Hotel in Los Angeles, California or anything. I don't know. But, I mean, he's straight up
0: using the Metallica logo on top of it. So definitely that's definitely copyright wild. infringement. But yeah. we'll see what happens.
1: Well, that's weird. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I saw that on <laughs> Loudbar. I'm like, this is
1: just goofy enough to end the show with. I guess, man. we like... If you're a Metallica fan and you found yourself in Turkey, you might want to stay there and get your picture taken on top of the building with the giant Metallica sign. Yeah, kind of cool. Kind of cool. I heard Josh Toomey already booked his tickets to go over there. <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to Turkey for? Just stay in this hotel. Yeah. I don't care about nothing else. <laughs> what would you see in Turkey? Nothing.
0: Stay in the hotel the whole time.
1: Yeah, I got a whole bunch of pictures of me standing by this sign. It's awesome. <laughs> well, that's all I got for this week. All right. Well, that's pretty cool. So there you have it. That's your Geek Wire for the final week of 2023, the last one you're going to get. So we got some cool stuff coming your way real soon. Don't forget, New Year's Eve rocking party, rocking New Year's with the Decibel Geek Podcast. Watch for that link. The best way to get hooked up on that is to probably follow us on Facebook or join the Decibel Geek community, Facebook group all the coolest people are in there they're posting and talking all about rock and roll all the time you want to get in on some cool conversations with people from all over the world that love the same kind of stuff that we do well that's the perfect place to do it and you keep up with everything decibel geek right there too also we're on the x we are a part of pantheon podcasts who love us very much we love them a lot the season of giving hell those guys are giving it up all year long check them out to find your new favorite music podcast they've got them all we have decibel geek vip programs on patreon if you want some more decibel geek podcast you didn't get what you wanted for christmas you go to your loved ones and say hey for this meager price you can make me so happy by giving me all kinds of extra content for years gone back, we've been doing this. you got hundreds of hours of extra stuff that you've never heard before. Check us out on Patreon. Look up Decibel Geek. Get in on that. So other than that, I just want to wish everybody a Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, whatever it is you celebrate this time of year, this awesome time of year, for your friends, your family, and for rock and roll. And that's what we're here for. We are the Decibel Geek Podcast, and we'll catch you next time. See ya.